Hi again, everybody. Stuart Gandalf. Happy to uh, have you listening to today's podcast. Very excited to have a return guest, one of my absolute favorites of all time and a personal friend, Dr. Jim Merlino, is returning and gracing us with his insights on our podcast. Today, the world of patient experience is really, really gaining momentum in just about every way and fashion throughout healthcare. I met Dr. Merlino at the uh, Cleveland Clinic Patient Experience Summit years ago, and um, he is now Chief Transformation Officer for Prescani. Welcome, Jim. Hi, Stuart. Great to be here again with you. Thank you for having me. I think it was, what, about eight years ago? The clinic is in its 10th year with the Patient Experience Summit, so I think I was there for the second one. Lots happened over the last eight or 10 years, right? The uh, industry has uh, really evolved a lot. Yes, it's, it's been 10 years. It's hard to believe, uh, but uh, I do remember, you know, we've been friends for a long time now, and the industry has really moved from where it was uh, 10 years ago, even longer, to from this idea that, you know, the experience is about happiness and satisfaction and uh, smiling to really recognizing that it's much more important than that. Not that that's not important, but it really, I think people understand today that the experience is really more about delivering safe, high-quality, patient-centered care, and that, you know, that's the patient promise, right? If we can't deliver that as healthcare organizations to people, um, we have no business than being in healthcare. So I think it's, uh, it's, it's evolved really nicely to it, much more important than what it was in the past. Some of our listeners have been with us for all the years and listened to all the podcasts we've done together. There's been points where I, f- I feel like we have fans, Jim. <laughs> I've had somebody from Australia fly all the way through, and she felt like she knew us both. For those of you that are new to the discussions I've had with Jim over the years, Jim and I talked a lot about exactly that, the thought that patient experience was really just as the patient smiling at you. And I remember doctors would say very sarcastically, I don't care if they like me. I just want to get them better. And Jim would made the point even back then that that's kind of missing the point. It's much deeper than that. And by the way, it is helpful. The patient, you know, uh, has some satisfaction, but it's much, much deeper. It's more transformative. And one of the things, Jim, you just mentioned a moment ago is safety. And I'd like you just to kind of talk about that for a moment in the context of patient experience. It's fascinating that even today in 2019, that there will be 4.8 million people in the United States that will suffer a preventable safety error in healthcare, uh, and 440,000 of them will die from it. Um, and you know that's that's striking. And, and people people want to sit and debate about the numbers, but even if you take that 440 and divide it in half, I think 220. I mean, it's still too much. I mean, how what number is acceptable? Uh, I hate talking about airline analogies, but uh, we have several uh, former naval aviators who are. Uh, consultants in our safety group, and I'll tell you that uh, that is the equivalent of 10 737 MAX airplanes crashing every single day in the United States. That's how many people die from safety events. And I think what we recognize today, or at least more and more across the industry, are recognizing that we've got to tackle that problem. And we don't, we haven't traditionally paid so much attention on it because it's not dramatic enough, right? It happens in a drip, drip fashion. Um, but when you when you sit back and you're more mindful about about it, you recognize how much of a crisis it really is. And so this idea of, of how, you know, I think innovative leaders are thinking about it today is, is that you, know, you can't have a great experience if we're hurting people. And, and by the way, not just patients. You know, it's another striking statistic. Is it's more dangerous to uh, work in a hospital than it is to build it. And it's our people that are in danger as well. And we've got to keep that front and center if we're going to be successful. 
the whole idea of patient experience through leadership of people like you, Jim, and others that are out there where it's becoming you know, again, from a, almost a non-issue to a lot of people, to front and center now in the hospital world, it's a big issue on the private practice side, but even pharmaceutical. I was just talking prior to this podcast to uh, one of the leading pharmaceuticals that uh, has actually been on this program as well. So even the pharmaceutical industry is really embracing patient experience. So as we get into this today, I want to talk about the white paper in just a few moments. Some of the work you guys are doing at Press Ganey, you guys have about six principles that you think are key to any patient experience effort. And I think before we drill down into what's new, I think it'd be really helpful because it's such a great place to start your six transformational principles. Thank you for um, for setting that up, Stuart. You know, it's interesting when we work with uh, systems or organizations across the United States, you know, we, we really have the opportunity to learn from them. And as a result of that and our work and research on the data, what we've done is assembled what we think is a is a very good framework for organizations to think about how to frame a strategy to connect these things together. And it, it consists of six elements, as you said. Three of them are strategic, three of them uh, deal with uh, focusing uh, operations. So the first strategy is to really commit to zero harm. If you are not messaging to um, you know, your workforce, if you're not messaging to the environment that you're, you're not really thinking about safety, then you're, you're not going to be successful in driving high performance. You have to put that first because, again, you can't have a great experience if you're hurting people. The second thing is that this idea of patient centricity, commit to a patient-centered strategy, and, and make it more than just a lapel pin. So our focus on patient centricity can't be a sign on the wall, a model, a, um, a lapel pin. It's got to be embedded in what we do every day. Leaders have to be thinking about it. They have to be using it in their agendas. You have to be executing on it so people feel it, they see it, they believe it. The third is to really adopt and message this idea that safety, quality, and patient centricity are one. And they're not separate. That you need all three. There are tactics and strategies that you can execute that touch all three, that when you focus that approach, in fact, you get synergies because the things you do for experience can improve safety and vice versa. So, so think about them as all three. Message them as all three. Create that narrative that you can really latch onto. So, so those three strategic elements, I think, uh, start the work. And then there's, there's, there's three things to focus on from an execution standpoint. Uh, the first one is is data and transparency. Uh, you know, we cannot get better, the old adage goes, uh, unless we're measuring what we want to improve. Uh, and, and we have good data today, uh, and we should be using that, wrapping that around our strategies. However, data alone is not your strategy. It's a supporting actor. Good data and analytics support all of your strategies and all of your tactics. Uh, and you need to keep it focused. You need to use best practices like being transparent with your data to both your internal people and also your uh, your customers, your consumers. Second, uh, focus on cultural development and leadership development. Because at the end of the day, if we can't lever our leaders uh, to be driving this for us every day, and that includes you know frontline managers or assistant managers. If you have a position where you're leading people, or you have a position where you're leading an initiative, uh, you need to be driving this. You need to be consistent, uh, and you need to be uh, levering the culture to be uh, helping you to drive this to performance. That's very critical. And I think in healthcare, particularly, we've been so focused on a transactional strategy towards HR. We need to be more strategic. Ask the question, 
you know, who are we hiring? How are we onboarding them? How are we rewarding and recognizing them? How are we thinking about performance managing them? How are we measuring engagement to make sure that we understand the health of our culture? And then lastly, uh, which should be the simplest one, but sometimes I think is the most difficult, is really hone execution and hold people accountable. So, uh, you know, we come up with a bunch of best practices to improve safety, to improve quality, uh, to improve experience. And what we find when we work with organizations, and I think this is true everywhere, is that a lot of times people are talking about best practices. They're really not executing well. We have to think about how do you improve execution? How do you improve the reliability of those processes so that they're really achieving what you need them to do? And ultimately, how are you training your people to use them and holding them accountable for using them? So, so it's not rocket science, but what, it, what those six principles do is they give you a framework on how to think about and improve execution. The complexity of a hospital environment uh, or any caregiving has so many different things, and I can see just coming back to these six principles as a litmus test, right? Uh, whether or not you ever work with Prescani or ever work with my firm, you know, the idea of having, you know, um, are we really committing to a goal of uh, zero harm? Are we really putting patients at the center of planning, uh, delivery, and care? I think we've talked in the past, and maybe I, I may have talked about this the first time I did the summit because it was right about then my mother fell and broke her hip, and I remember her being lined up in the hallway with other patients to go to radiology, and it was convenient for the hospital. <laughs> it wasn't so great for the little lady shivering in the hallway, but so that idea of putting the patient first, uh, which is a concept you're familiar with right for the Cleveland Clinic. But I think all of these things are, and I could see how it'd be easy to drift unintentionally, but I love those six principles. I just think they're great. So uh, good work to you and your team for making, you know, defining stuff that, yeah, it's not rocket science, but it's really, really important to kind of help guide thinking. And I read your white paper, the special report this year, and I was really excited about it. And um, obviously we'll have a link to that report on our blog post uh, for readers to access directly. The clip note versions, I'd love you to describe why you thought this was important and timely, what conclusions you drew, and maybe what's surprising. Take your time, because I think it's really media, and I think you've got some good points. First of all, just to comment on what you said, because uh, I remember the story of your mother, and uh, and you're right. You know, we, we have traditionally built our processes and systems to be convenient to hospitals and ourselves. And... Um, you know, there's a place for that, but, but we really need to be thinking about meeting patient needs better because, you know, people that are unfortunate have, have themselves, find themselves on the other side uh, as patients uh, haven't read the playbook on how we function. And, and it's shocking <laughs> exactly. to them. Um, and we need to do better. Uh, there's still a lot of work to do. This paper, um, and thanks for, you know, talking about this. I, I, this is actually, I'm really proud of the, this, this paper that the group, put together. Uh, and at Prescani, we've done a lot to really try and understand deeper insights into what drives performance. And this paper actually represents the third of a series of key papers that we've assembled with our research and analytics team. The first paper uh, really talked about uh, our finding when we analyzed uh, Medicare's publicly reported safety, quality, and experience data. Uh, and we looked at all of that data, and it represents uh, every hospital reporting to CMS, just uh, over 4,000. And what we found is that when organizations uh, achieve a top quartile performance and patient experience, which for that study was age caps, their publicly reported safety and quality metrics are all better. 
and it was it, it validated what we've always believed, what I've believed dating back to my days at the Cleveland Clinic, that you know, when you create a culture that delivers on the experience, people feel it, they're, they're safer, they're better, but actually your outcomes for patients are better too. And that's what, that's what the data showed. We, we took that data and we combined it with our uh, engagement database for physicians, nurses, and other caregivers, which is the largest in the industry. And what we found is that in organizations that are in top quartile of performance, this idea of, you know, the health of your culture of engagement, uh, all three, safety, quality, and experience are better. So uh, those findings were just really exciting to us. And we took it one step further and connected it with uh, publicly reported financial data at CMS, all hospitals, again, that report that CMS collects information on, and found that when safety, quality, experience are high-performing, uh, net margins are better and patient um, spend per beneficiary is lower. Striking. Now, uh, this was exciting for us, and we were data people as well as improvement people, so it gets, it gets us excited. Um, and while it's administrative database, what we said, okay, let's take it to the next level. So the second paper was really those transformational principles. How do we create a framework to help people improve? And then the third paper, this year we said, okay, we know it's true at a global administrative data level. We know we have a framework. Let's see if it works at a micro level. And, and what this paper does is it takes it to that level and it says to CEOs and other hospital leaders, ask yourself these questions. Um, you know, are you improving fast enough? Are you where you need to be? How are you driving your strategy? Uh, and when we started to validate uh, how organizations are actually delivering on the work, we found something fascinating, which is that these relationships, while true at the administrative level, are also true at the unit-based level. And what we found is actually when uh, organizations take that engagement data, that, that health of their culture data, and they segment their leaders by performance, so tier one, tier two, tier three, tier one are highly engaged leaders, highly with, working with highly engaged teams, uh, tier three is less so. Uh, tier one hospitals have uh, better safety performance as measured by something most every hospital in the United States cares a lot about, which is leapfrog scores. So if you have more tier one leaders, you get better leapfrog scores. Likewise, what we found is, again, taking it to the business unit level, is that when you have more tier one leaders and work groups, your, your star ratings are higher, so better patient experience performance. So, and, and, and the opposite is true if you're a tier three. So, so this is very exciting, right? We said, okay, we've, we've taken this at an administrative global perspective. We've created a foundation, a framework. Now we've demonstrated things that are, you know, really meaningful to hospitals that, that directly impact patient care. Um, and, uh, and that's what this paper talks about. Uh, and, and how do you take that information, how do you take that framework and really think about uh, what the title says, accelerating transformation. And um, we think that when you consider all that together and you sit back and think about how your leaders function, when you converge leaders in different areas and use this framework, uh, you too can, can deliver better performance on what matters to patients. When I first became involved with some of the work you were doing at Cleveland Clinic, and I remember asking you about how important was it getting uh, your CEO, Toby Cosgrove's input, 
And that was absolutely vital, obviously, to transforming an organization as big and complex as Cleveland Clinic. And that was, you know, a different day. It's hard to look back on now. It's like, well, of course, there's patient experience, right? But one of the things that I thought was striking was that the CEO still remains very important at the hospitals you consult with, but the other leaders matter too. Would you like to expand upon that for a moment? Every leader counts. Um, every person counts. It's funny, when I, when I um, first was given the role, appointed to the role by Toby, uh, we had a follow-up conversation after my interview, and he goes, uh, you're going to be in charge of patient experience. You're going to fix this. And I kind of chuckled, and I thought, oh, my God, what did I sign up for? But I, uh, you know, being a colorectal surgeon, you, you, I don't mix comments, right? You, you, you tend to, I tend to say what's on my mind. It's how we function. And uh, well, you're, aren't I you shy? Yeah, <laughs> there's nothing shy about colorectal surgery, Stuart. Um, um, but I looked, I looked at Toby, and literally, I said to him, "I said, no, no, we're, if, if we're going to fix this, we're going to do it together, and it's going to require a lot more people than just the two of us." And um, and you know, Toby taught me a lot of things. One of the things that uh, that he really uh, impressed upon a lot with, with me, and as well as his team, was this idea of you know, teams working together and. Uh, uh, you need everybody engaged in it because it's not something you're talking about cult, changing culture here. It's not something that, you know, one person can just execute on a process. But when you think about that team uh, and you think about cultural transformation, you know, it, it, and he talked about this a lot, it's the CEO or the president, it's the top person leading the organization that drives that culture. And if they're not doing it, um, you know, it's not to say that you can't improve, but, you can't improve as fast as you need to, or you won't get to the highest performance that you want to get to, or you need to get to. Because if the top guy is not talking about it, or top woman is not talking about it, then people say, oh, it's not their initiative. You know, it's important, but right. it's not important. Um, and I had this litmus test. Actually, I said it today in a talk I gave. I said, listen, you can, you can walk around the hospital, and you can ask anybody, frontline person, frontline manager, leader, True or false, is patient experience a strategic priority at X organization? Everybody's going to say, of course, right? Nobody's against it. Nobody stands up and is against safety. But if you ask them the question differently and say, you know what? Can you name the top three priorities for the organization? What do they tell you? Is patient experience one of them? Uh, in organizations where the CEO is leading it, um, people will say it's absolutely a priority. And that's the difference between having the top person leaded versus uh, not. One of my mentors over my career, from one of his mentors told me, it's as the CEO, it's like, find one message, tell it to them, tell them again, tell them again and again, and again and again, until you're so sick of it, you can't stand it, and then tell them some more. And then eventually, you know, one or two things people will remember. And that's really what it takes. It's the, you know, it's like the, there's that skepticism in healthcare of, oh, this is just another flavor of the month, right? <laughs> now, this too shall pass. We just have to be patient. Totally true. <laughs> well, you know, when so, I was, we used to have this saying that uh, people would, would hide under their desks waiting for it to pass over, right? Because it was just flavor <laughs> of the month. But, you know, if you, if you really want to drive true change, true evolution, you've got to keep it front and center. My, my, uh, our, our, our executive chairman, Pat Ryan, who was our, was our CEO and a Joker Skoviak, our president CEO, Pat moved up to executive chairman. He, he's, you know, he's, he's been in healthcare his entire career. And one of the things he says, you've got to focus. He says, where people fail in execution, excuse me, is when you have too many things going on and people can't stay focused on what's important. And he always, he always challenges you. What are the three things? What are the three things you're working on? Um, and if you get away from the three things, he pulls you right back. What are the three things? And 
um, you know, we, we, uh, we can learn a lot from private industry. And I think one of the things we can learn from them is, is, is focus and execution. So that leads me actually to some of the things we talked about as some key things as next steps. One of the things you mentioned, the importance of asking the right questions, key questions. Can you expand upon that a little bit for us? I think there's this um, movement in the industry. So we improved in my previous organization because we had a suite of questions that provided deep insights into what was important for patients. And it really allowed us to determine what are the key drivers of, of meeting patients' needs. And, and they're different in different environments. You need to know. And one of the trends today is that, you know, people want to get away from asking too many questions because of things like survey fatigue. And it's, 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 it's ridiculous for two reasons. Number one, because people like to talk about their healthcare experience. They are more likely to answer a survey about healthcare than they are about, you know, the, the new shoes they bought. The second thing is you can't understand what's important for patients uh, and their families if you don't ask the right questions. Um, and so, you know, Net Promoter is a great example. And net, net Promoter is a great metric, and it's important for, for certain indications. But you can't improve the experience. You can't improve safety. You can't drive quality. You can't drive the experiences patients have with Net Promoter score. Because it's like, you know, you walk into your hospital and you get a survey that says, you know, rate your hospital zero to 10 and you rate it and you get back an MPS of, you know, eight or whatever it would work out to be. Well, that's great. They liked us, maybe. We had a B. But what if they came back and your net promoter was four? Why was it four? You know, could they not get the appointment they wanted? Did the physician not communicate clearly with them? Did they get bad medication instructions? You know, you just don't know. So you need to have deeper insights uh, to be able to really understand what's important for patients. And by the way, those things like, you know, appointment when needed, if you need it right away, did your physician or your nurse or communicate effectively with you? Did you understand your medications? <laughs> those are important for the experience, but they're also important for safety. So you need to know, like, what's happening in your environment. I, funny story, so one of the big trends in the industry today um, in, in service industries today is, is the red-green button. And you're starting to see them in bathrooms at airports, right? And I, <laughs> yep, I think it's ridiculous time. because what, what can you tell from pushing a red or, or a green button? So I, when, I go, when I go in, I, I don't feel so well. I've got to go to the bathroom. So I push red. When I walk out, I'm happy. <laughs> I push green. <laughs> you know, there's no user guide for that. And it doesn't help yeah. you understand if there's a problem. It, it's kind of a funny example, but, but it doesn't tell you anything. For those of you that don't know the Net Promoter Score, the NPS, the, the simple question was, and there's some uh, data behind this, if you have to ask just one question, it's would you, um, how likely are you to tell your friends or family about or refer your friends or family to us? Um, and that is, there is some a place for that, but you're right, it's too simplistic. Healthcare is very, very complex. And the, uh, these measures are important, right? This is people's lives we're talking about. And I think that the um, idea of doing an, N uh, an NPS is okay for, you know, getting stars, which is great, but there's certainly when we're talking about data and uh, measuring ourselves and understanding, again, the patient's point of view. You know, I, one of the things I marvel at, the, how the philosophy 
of patients first just pervades some organizations and doesn't at others. Like I always think about Cleveland Clinic with the same-day appointments, or one thing that always amazes me, if somebody has the worst day of their life for cancer diagnosis and they're going to go do some tests, and how long does that take? <laughs> you know, weeks sometimes? And just imagine the patient's point of view. So the, all these things matter, and they're all key variables, and you can't improve what you can't measure. Totally agree on that. But you've got a bunch of data, right? We've asked some good questions. Uh, does it stop there? <laughs> is data enough, Jim? I don't think data is enough. I think it starts with good data to um, you know, help you understand the needs of your patients and, and frankly, your caregivers as well, because the same applies there. You, you can't just you know, put a button at the time clock and have them push it if they're happy and uh, one button and, and uh, another button if they're sad, because that doesn't tell you why. Um, it's not actionable. You have to decide how do you take that information uh, use good analytics to interpret it and make it actionable. And, you know, the actionable part is what we you know, spent the, the most time talking about, which is the, the exciting work, which is building the strategy and, and then executing. I think that is ultimately, uh, you know, where the focus needs to be. Yep. It's like, you know, it's like we've got data, great. We've got to get over it and get to actually make, coming up with the strategy to execute based upon that. And finally, you know, we talked before about, uh, a little about reliability and, you know, is this predictable? Is it, you know, duplicatable? You know, what kind of processes? Let's talk a little bit more about, you know, how to make things more reliable. I think we can learn a lot from industries that are highly reliable. So there's three that are generally considered uh, in that category, uh, the airlines, nuclear power, and the military. And while the military is not an industry per se, it, it, it kind of functions like one. And the reason it's considered highly reliable is because, for instance, you don't read stories uh, in the front page of newspapers every single day of, you know, 19-year-old kids dropping bombs by accidents on ships and having them blow up. And so the question is, how did the military take highly complicated processes uh, where when errors are made, uh, people die, uh, and make them very repeatable and consistent and safe? Um, so that uh, kids essentially can operate them. And, and that's through the principles of high reliability. And it's the same thing for the airlines. You know, we, as a surgeon, I've, I used to never like the airline analogies, right? People would say, oh, if you could just be more like the airlines, you know, surgery would be better. It's like, you know, patients are not uh, like flying planes. Uh, and they are, they're different. But we can learn things from those industries and uh, through the process of high reliability. And, and you know, no industry is more in need of this than, than others because when we make mistakes, obviously people die and the statistics are staggering. Um, but, but it's how do we take good process, uh, make sure that it's based on evidence, make sure that it's intuitive uh, and simplified and efficient and, and wrap good culture around those processes, making sure that people understand how to function with those processes, how to hold people accountable for it, uh, so they can see how they're, they're operating and to deliver results. That is where uh, we can learn a lot from other industries or highly reliable industries and take it to healthcare because that's what we need to do is, is make healthcare more reliable, consistently perform at high performance so that uh, we deliver better for the people we serve. And hospitals and in healthcare, you know, pretty broadly, the Doctors, the surgeons are at the at the core of everything. Some probably are still to this day, you know, adapting patient experience, you know, sort of a 
mindset more than others. And can you share any tricks or tips for uh, surgeons or that want to be leaders or people that, you know, how do we convince our colleagues to be kind of get with the program based upon your experience? I think it starts with education. I think people need to understand why it's important. Uh, and that's the burning platform that we should all be concerned about. I mean, at the end of the day, it's the right thing to do, but we have to help them understand why. And it starts with really showing them the data and, and, and that we're not performing as well as we should be. We're not performing to the level that we'd expect for our families. Um, the second thing I think it entails is, is, is bringing a framework for improvement, helping people understand the how to do it, uh, the what that they need to be doing. And, and, and the third is that, you know, we need to be leading it. We need to be holding people accountable for it. I think the good news is that um, most people in healthcare are here because they want to do what's right for patients. It's why they, they, they go into healthcare. It's, 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 what, it's the passion that they grow up with wanting to do this work. And that's, that represents most people. Um, but there's a small fraction where uh, that gets away from them and they lose perspective or they, they're not in it for the right reasons to begin with. And as leaders, we have to put a stake in the ground and say, that's, that's intolerable. Uh, this is important. Uh, safety is important, quality is important, experience is important. You can't trade off. They're all important. Um, we need to deliver on performance on all three. And, you know, everyone has a role, and we need you to know what your role is, and we're going to hold you accountable for it. It's not okay uh, to not be involved. Um, so that, that's how I think about it as uh, someone who has, um, you know, led this. In healthcare, and particularly in the hospital world, the doctors are at the top of the pyramid, and it's really crucial for a whole bunch of reasons for them to be on board. And the work that you guys have been doing, Jim, at Cleveland Clinic and at Press Ganey and some of the other people you've introduced me to, it's really an exciting time to be around patient experience. You know, we talked a little bit as well about some of the people we've met on the pharma side or in various hospitals, some of the work that you're doing on the practice side, you know, even pairs, everybody cares about patient experience. And I think it's it's a lot more than lip service these days, and it's just kind of a tidal wave. So very exciting times. Any any other sort of parting thoughts, Jim? Because love having you on this uh, our little program here. Any other words of advice or comments at this stage? Just to agree with you, I think, uh, you know, you and I have obviously talked about this a lot. And, uh, um, you know, we're good friends because we share perspective on, on very similar things and, uh, and agree on, on most. And that is that uh, it is exciting. Um, and uh, I, I don't think that there's been more of an exciting time to be in healthcare. And I think a lot of people look at what's going on and they get uh, depressed or they get down. And I, and I said, don't get down. I said, this is exciting. This is our opportunity to really evolve, to, to do a trike for people. And, um, you know, I, I look at the things you're doing and how you've evolved. I, that's exciting. I, I, I couldn't be more exciting. I couldn't be more excited about the work we do at Press Gaming. And, you know, I, I'm obviously biased, but uh, it's important stuff. And uh, it is an honor, absolute honor to be able to uh, spend time and work with so many different organizations and so many leaders in this field. I can't imagine uh, anything else that I'd want to be doing at this point. You know, a lot of people in marketing want to be, or like frustrated, want to be clinicians. And that's just not my calling. It's not what I want to do. I love what I do. I love running our agency. I love helping patients, you know, connect them to better care. And that's what's exciting to me. But this patient experience is really a passion project for me. It's not a big revenue center for us. It's just something we do as well. It's like, how can I help good people that are trying to transform healthcare in a meaningful way? 
and uh, having friends like you, Jim, really helped me <laughs> reach that. So I'm honored that you've attended our program again. Um, thank you for participating and for all the great work you and your, your team and your peers do.